Recorded during the plague year 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we go over one minute of Robert Wise's all-too-timely 1971 techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, best known... Let's face it, best known worldwide, Jim, as uh, your co-host on the Rocketeer Minute. I thought I was your co-host. Oh, stop it some more, you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So here we are, back again. This is, uh, this is fun. This was, uh, as we talked about uh, on Monday, one of those movies that I had uh, I'd known about, I'd been aware of. I could probably even fake a reference or two here or there over my uh, adult life, but I just never actually sat down and watched until uh, until you wouldn't leave me alone. Uh, good. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad my persistence paid off then. It did it's, indeed. Uh, it, is, it is a great film. It's one of my favorite uh, paranoid thrillers of the early 70s. Um, it, it's funny how that whole era back then, there's all these strange things going on, and it's just things you have to worry about. Start, you know, Even the like the end of the world, thrillers like uh uh fail safe or colossus right. the forbin project um and then you know this one where we're, we're facing an extraterrestrial terror who's about the size of a microbe so it just it's uh it, it's fascinating how uh it, it, i think on the first watch of it it's very mysterious and it's difficult to uh to figure out what the point of the, of the movie is it's like how are they going to ever solve this why why you know right well, as we've said, number one, it takes them, it takes them ages just to get, basically, to get to work. <laughs> yeah, they've got to go through. They've got to have several, uh, several complete outfits incinerated. Yes, and uh, and then of course, as we saw yesterday, transit or excuse me, Monday, transitioning into today's episode, the uh, the xenon light apparatus. But you know, I have I have a question. I would never think to ask this really of of anybody uh, either than uh, myself, which I would dig into in research, or I would uh, uh, I would ask you, and that's quite a compliment, my friend. Um, is there a term for that sort of official speak where we drop articles, like the voice that comes on after the you know the xenon lamp apparatus has done its thing, and then the voice says. You may now remove helmet, you know, and then later it's say, you know, please replace helmet in compartment, proceed through shower, um, as opposed to you may now remove the helmet or remove your helmet. What? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not why sure does that the, sound what, more official and why yeah. does that sound and, it, and why do we do that? It does sound I, I would think that it would come from and I'm just guessing here. I would think that it comes from a military background that they have, you know, they, they try to make things as succinct as possible. And uh, you know, well, how you as a as an aviation person know that uh, things are responded to very narrowly in, vo- in vocal transmissions, especially when there's orders. You know, sure. You, um, you you have to be clear, yet you have to be succinct. So I'm thinking you don't need an article. You don't you know. Please replace right. the helmet. Please replace your helmet. Please. It's uh, it's probably just the, the the succinctness of and that and we've come to expect that from people who are giving us orders, be it in the military, be it in you know in the aviation world or 
um, right. or just reading stop signs and stuff, you know, like next turn, next left or something like that. Well, this would be a very different film if that uh, if that off-screen voice said, hey, guys, go ahead and take <laughs> off your helmets. And if you would, put them in the box and let's get to the showers. You know, I mean, just none yeah. of that would none of that would resonate at all. It's, we're, it's supposed to sound official and sound uh, and sound clipped and and everything else. Yeah, but, or if they uh, had a Chuck E. Cheese uh, voiceover artist you know, saying stuff. <laughs> it would be great if you, you know, the, uh, uh, the speedy Alka-Seltzer guy I keep yes, thinking of. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Mr. Yes, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Yeah, um, it, it's, yeah, it's just very peculiar. And I, this, I know that Michael Crichton was trying to make a, a point here that getting rid of the upper epithelial layers of your skin would somehow make things better. But... Anyone who's had a sunburn. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is like instant universal sunburn, especially in places that don't normally get sunburned. And I... Uh, right. This, I can't imagine how this is anything other than completely excruciating. I mean, this is reducing like getting, a layer of skin to, to ash. ash. I mean, that's it's effectively, like by net definition, a 100%, well, okay, except for the areas under the helmet. So a 95%, 85% yeah, yeah. coverage, third degree burn. Yeah. I yeah, mean, your, yeah. your skin is literally gone. And then for some reason, when I, when I see that scene and I see the, you know, you'll notice the white ash, like, and then it's, it's fine. It's just the outer epithelial layers of your skin that have been burned away. We shouldn't be concerned about that. All I could think about was, you know, like 30 years later, you know, a late yeah. night TV commercial. Were you involved in Project Wildfire? Did they tell you that that layer of skin was unnecessary? You know, you and, may be eligible for a huge settlement. And the, these guys are there, you know, for the first time in their lives. But what about the regular personnel that are there that have to work on level five and have to commute? Exactly. Do they do this every every 24 hour shift? They got to go burn it up. Day. It's I'm like running out some... of <laughs> skin guys uh, at some point it's just one guy goes in and you know is are you sure bob oh it's fine steve and then poof you know a, a skeleton full of organs yeah. just collapses to the floor because that was uh, that was it yeah that was I'm the last layer picturing um the uh the robot on the old craig ferguson show it's like the skeleton with the mohawk it's right. just that that's uh, and the other thing if if it's burning off the epithelial layers do your fingernails count and your toenails because i mean it's obviously you didn't wear any caps on your fingernails and i don't think your nipples have uh epithelial <laughs> layers so that's just be they ever expanding or not yes uh. yes it will at least you'll be able to see the magnified terror that has you know, transformed them from the previous episode right uh, and well, I, do they have uh, actually I just I caught myself wondering about my own question from our last episode scrubbing back through this uh, do the do the men have chest hair anymore or did we actually I don't I, I, don't I know. think we actually re ended up removing that yeah I, I would think it's just yikes and which is which is interesting I think you know from the actor's standpoint you know yeah. Sorry, guys, oh. for this scene. Guess what? Yeah, I mean, I've seen the uh, Steve Carell and the forty-year-old uh, version. <laughs> <laughs> right. Must have been yikes. Um, the but the other thing is, okay, you've cleaned off eighty-five percent of the skin, but what about the face? You know, basically, your head, your sinuses are completely filled with bacteria right. and all kinds of fauna that you've sucked <laughs> in from the air. So it's pointless for you know, on that hair, unless you're burning your hair off. Uh, I don't see how the follicles up there are are going to be treated any differently than uh, you know than what you've done with your skin. Oh, and I, all I can think of is the uh, 
I think it was the George Carlin routine talking about your nose and how you take this sort of this drippy, snotty, you know, uh, booger-filled thing, and then they say, well, let's mount it upside down over your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) So with all of these things that are going on like this, as you said, let's just protect... Let's protect the sort of the, you know, the the whole air intake system. Let's keep that and yeah. all, all of the germs, everything that's going to go, uh, you well, know. The ear, ear wax and, and the, you know, the, the <laughs> stuff dripping out of your eyes. I, I, right. And all those little, there's, I, I, I've, you know, anyone who's ever seen those microscopic pictures of your eyebrows know that there's little things that they only live in your eyebrows. <laughs> right. So it's, uh, yeah, just horrifying. Um but, you know, they can power starships across the galaxy. And, you know, there, there you have it. Um, it's, <laughs> it's it's very, now, I keep wondering, somebody somebody is assigned to level three. Someone lives here on this the Xenon lamp place. They have their own little cubby hole in their little quarters that they live on level three. No windows, right. nothing. And they have to go in and scrub out all the, <laughs> all the yes. you know, burned up dandruff that's clinging now to that uh, thing. Maybe Ugh. they have a hose and they just hose it down and it doesn't stick. But I would think that all the body oils and stuff that have just gone up poof and smoke have left some kind of a greasy film over. I mean, basically, you have barbecued people and you've got to wipe the barbecue dust off the off the, 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 the walls. I think you have described the absolute worst possible job in this movie. I just imagine going and sweeping up. It's, you know, a mixture of, of uh, you know, of talcum powder and, and I, I don't know, just gummy sweat or something. That, yeah. Uh, that's dreadful, Jim. Well, I'm, I'm well thinking the, wor- the, worst job, the worst job is driving the monkey truck out to the uh, agricultural station and having to, <laughs> having to go through the whole process to get the monkeys down to level five. So you have to go through, and the monkeys are, I don't know, where, where are the monkeys? The monkeys are in an elevator, and they go straight from the, from the barley fields upstairs? I, <laughs> I have so many questions. I just want to know. More questions than answers. Uh, it's, it's very, very frightening. Um, so we get to, uh, we switch from uh, Dr. Hall to Dr. Levitt, and... Uh, I've noticed from uh, from carefully examining the 4K release of this movie, of which there are several, uh, and we'll talk about that on another day, but uh, the, the 4K release lets you know that uh, Dr. Levitt is not nude. Uh, it looks like she's, if you look at it in full resolution, uh, she seems to be wearing some kind of a Dan skin uh, that's covered with uh, <laughs> probably asbestos dust. I don't know what they, <laughs> what they did in 1971, but it's probably just something that's fireproof and they could spray on her. Um, and uh, she gets to she gets to uh, stand stand there and, and uh, get ex- things explained to her and and gives the most the most human reaction in this entire movie. Yes, I was just going to say her expression when that helmet comes off is just priceless. I mean, she's she's disgusted by a lot of what's happening in this movie. You know, yeah. anytime she's anytime she's on screen, she's just. You know, she's not real comfortable with it. She doesn't really care for it. It doesn't impress her. But this in particular, so just she gives that sneer. Yeah, yeah. If if, if she had vocalized her thoughts, then this would no longer be a G movie. Right. It's, it's yeah, definitely exactly. there. And uh, I think she. I, I think her her hypothesis is the same as mine. Is that uh, Doctor Stone is a germaphobe, and he came up with all this nonsense on, on the impression that he was. Uh, he was making things better when everything, everything they're going to work on is in a glove box on the other side of a wall. So it doesn't matter if you're sitting there smoking a stogie on the other side of the wall. <laughs> yes, it, you know, exactly. It, it's, it's just kind of pointless, but uh, uh, you know, here, here they are. So uh, something else that strikes me uh, in this minute is, well, first of all, I, I need to 
choose a room in my home and designate that to be the interim room <laughs> because I just love the sound of that. It's like it's so it, you're just flat out saying you are not going to spend a lot of time in here. That's yeah. just now, I, I I was under the impression that's usually known in Wisconsin as the mudroom. It's just it's the mudroom. The, well, that could be yes, mudroom. Yeah. Uh, um, and the uh, or the three season porch is something yes. else we have uh, we have a lot of out here. Um, and then the idea that we've we've uh, we've talked quite uh, you know quite passionately about how absolutely disgusting this room is, uh, where you're you're baking off people's uh, skin layers. Um, so how nice is it that the cafeteria is on the same floor? Yeah, it's just down the <laughs> it's just down the hall. Are we having barbecue today? Oh yes, no, that's exactly. just a new crew coming in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so can I get a little get a little powdered sugar with my soylent green? <laughs> I do, I do like uh, the, the corridor in front of the interim room has uh, to me what I've I've seen in many you know airports and things like that. That's the drain. Basically, they probably come through with a zamboni and just hose the walls down and let it all drip through the side. It just looks like they have a gutter running on either side of the hallway. Oh. Um, it's, uh, it's amazing. It is. It is. Um, I do. I do like the. I, I, this is the most calming floor to me. I mean, I know that they're going to the nice white room downstairs where it's right. kind of a putty. But this is that dark. Uh, I used to have uh, this. This nice dark. Putty. I used to have a a, a room in uh, in Massachusetts that I painted with Sherwin Williams paint, and the color was Woodrow Wilson putty. I don't know how they came up with it, but wow. maybe Woodrow Wilson had a special effect. Maybe that was the color of Woodrow Wilson's skin when he passed. I don't know, but it's just... Uh, Man, it, it's Woodrow very, Wilson putty. That's... Yeah, that was that was the name of the color, and uh, it was not too different from the... Not the, not, the, not the walls painted here, but the color of their clothes has that nice Woodrow Wilson putty feel. And, um, in, yeah, everything does... Uh does compliment each other I'm, I'm sorry i'm gonna be a while reacting yeah to woodrow wilson putty i think you know i, I chose a lovely william howard taft cerulean for our powder room <laughs> it's just off the interim room and down the corridor from the yeah. cafeteria yeah the, uh, um, the, the, the james mckinley cin- or, yeah the james mckinley cinnamon or william mckinley cinnamon is really a uh, uh, an eye-opener uh, oh my goodness we could go we could go uh, on and on and on Wow. Uh, choosing uh, Calvin Coolidge Sienna, for example. Um, <laughs> one of the things, maybe talking about the movie a little bit more, we we have talked about the pacing of the film and how, you know, how how that makes that really pin you know pigeonholes this movie in that very squarely that early seventies um, kind of. I always yeah. call it sort of antiseptic sci-fi. It's. Uh, um, and I don't mean it, you know, literally in this, we're talking about fighting germs and all the decontamination stuff, but it's just got that, um, it's very, it's, it's very dry. It's very, very methodical. It's very, very sort of slow moving. Um, and right at the end of this minute, and I, I know it leads into, uh, our Friday episode, but, um, when we're, uh, oh, and I apologize, I'm blanking on characters' names, but we're going right up to the wall hall. and we're looking at the yeah. hall, def- hall looking at the wall. Yes, hall, hall looking at the wall. Looking at the uh, the not yet finished, you know, substation 4002 crudely written on the wall with chalk with an arrow pointing in case you didn't in, in case you didn't realize that that writing yes. was about the only recognizable <laughs> object on this entire corridor. Um, and just the bare wires hanging out that it's undone. And he's got to walk up and take a good long look at it. And we've got to have a good long look at him taking a good long look at it uh, to just give you that, give you that foreshadowing. 
And yeah, it, 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 if, it, if this were filmed nowadays, they would have broken the fourth wall and he would have just looked straight at the camera and go, kids, I think this was a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and then he would have chomped on a stogie and then incinerated another set of coveralls yeah. and <laughs> gone down another level. Yeah, I do like the uh, I do like the font for the uh, the stenciled four. It's very you know, Fantastic Four. That big, that bench. That, that's how, that's how I would when I was growing up. That's how I would write my fours. Much to the chagrin of my uh, my nuns who would tell me, no, 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 you're supposed to make it like an upside down H. Ah. And, but I still <laughs> felt like it had it. This this has that TV Channel Four look of every every Channel Four in the world has that <laughs> right. kind of a four. Um, it's uh, it's very enjoyable stencil. Uh, it's yeah. This this minute is so peculiar in how much nothing happens. Right. Um, and oh, there was one other thing though. The the one interesting thing was that they're uh, uh, after all of this, after the the baking of the skin, they at least acknowledge the fact that they've got to take a rest. Yeah. You were required to rest for six hours on level four after the exposure to the xenon lamp. So again, that raises the question: Who are these people commuting? every day yeah who yeah. have to and, take a six-hour nap and, con- and considering that you know the the nearest inhabited locale according to uh, the senate committee was that the, the nearest place was 112 miles away right. so where where do you go where where are these people getting haircuts where are they you know where are they shopping for stuff how what kind of you know do they get to see their kids at all i mean i can understand it's a military thing and they might be you know on base or something but somehow and Dr. Stone has his own place. This is like carefully stenciled, not a, uh, this doesn't look like a paper tag on the wall. Right. It just seems to be his major digs, and he's probably been here a number of times watching the construction, and this might be his uh, hideaway place where he gets away from uh, uh, the missus, who he but, never tells about. And he's probably lost at least 30 pounds just in layers of skin, <laughs> just alone. Yeah, and, yeah. <clears throat> The, uh, I don't know, this whole thing, you've, you've, we've been through all this, uh, doing this, and then it's now you got to rest for six hours. So so go sleep, you know, then meet at the cafeteria at, at four in the morning. It's just really Oof. at this point, can I, can we make it six? I mean, yeah, we've been through a lot so far. <laughs> We're required to rest. So come on, give me a, give me a decent night's rest. Uh, it's, yeah, the, the monkeys will wait, but it, yeah, it, it's just, <laughs> it's grim. But he's in charge and, Considering they've never ever had a drill, and now he wants to get in get into this, um, I'm always puzzled about that. Any anything that you do, you're gonna have a dry run. You're gonna have everybody out and say, "Here's what we're gonna, here's right. what's gonna happen." Uh, and that they've never, you know, uh, Hall and Levitt never even met each other before. Um, it's uh, it's just so odd. But it's it's only a two hour movie. We're not supposed to think about that that much. <laughs> Ah, just frustrating. Wow. Yes. Well, let's put, let's put all this up, and we'll we'll come back to it on Friday. I can uh, hardly wait. Wow. Now, uh, Hal, I do know that you are available on other um, uh, podcasting outlets, most notably the uh, EAA's uh, own podcast. Can we talk about that just a little bit? Sure, I'd be uh, I'd be happy to. I'm one of uh, we do rotate hosts a little bit, but I'm uh, I'm a fairly to very regular host of uh, a podcast called The Green Dot. It's EAA's aviation podcast, and for those. Uh, wonder what green dots have to do with uh, with anything to do with aviation. Um, I'd mentioned on our uh, episode on Monday that um, organization where I work, we host this uh, major aviation event uh, almost every year. Uh, we had the unprecedented cancellation this year. Um, but uh, we put special procedures in place uh, because we end up with 
uh, with about 10,000 airplanes coming into uh, into this uh, airport here in, in Oshkosh. It becomes the busiest airport in the world for a week. And we actually paint, uh, with, we and the, the airport management, it's a partnership, they paint colored dots at various points on the runway. So you will have... Uh, just absolutely unheard of uh, at any other airport at any other time, but you might have three airplanes coming in for a landing, you know, actually fairly close together with, with different uh, separation minimums. And the one in front, uh, you know, they'll be cleared to land on the white dot, which is the furthest down the runway. So they'll, they'll stay up and fast and then they won't land until they get there. And then the next one goes to sort of the middle dot. And then the next one comes to the last one. So the green dot is one of the sort of iconic dots so that's our that's our whole shtick. When you listen to the podcast, you've been cleared to land on the green dot. And we talk about aviation history and museums. Um, we do a lot of uh, episodes with just uh, the host talking about some of our favorite things. But we've uh, we're ridiculously lucky in terms of the quality of the guests that we get: test pilots and astronauts, and uh, you know, and celebrities and historians. Um, innovators, uh, all kinds of things. So we have a blast doing that. So you can find uh, what's interesting is there is another podcast with a very similar logo to ours that has nothing to do with aviation. So if you go to iTunes, you search Green Dot, you will see EAA's The Green Dot, an aviation podcast, and then you will see something called The Green Dot Podcast, which I think is about a bank. Um, (laughs) All due respect to our esteemed competitors, I guarantee ours is more interesting. I just, I will (laughs) bet you anything. So uh, a lot to say there, but you can find the green dot on iTunes. You can also go over to inspire.eaa.org, and that's our uh, that's our aviation blog. And the uh, all the podcast episodes have homes there, in addition to a bunch of other writing and other other fun aviation content that we share. A great uh, resource when you're standing still on your on your treadmill, thinking of what to what to listen to next <laughs> while you're waiting for the plague to pass. Right, um, exactly. Before you can. Uh, Spend a couple minutes in the interim room and then uh, and then yes. go take a nap for six hours. <laughs> yes, at least you've got your outer epithelial layer. So count your blessings on that. Yes, exactly. Wow. We well, can all be grateful. Well, we will return on Friday uh, as we finish up this week and uh, hopefully get some rest on me in the interim room. Uh, but in the in the meantime, please, uh, just so we can get out of this plague as soon as possible, uh, wash your hands, stay six feet apart, and also wear a mask so that uh, you're not uh, catching anybody else's cooties. So we will see you here on Friday on the Andromeda Minute. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.